So you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little bit more sleep. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in a warm, comfy bed than our slightly less comfortable pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on this Sunday morning sleep-in podcast. Now, we still think it's real important to be part of a church community where you can be around people who are different ages than you and have different points of view than you, and you can get their support and encouragement and sometimes their challenging opinions to be with inspiring music, which is a huge part of our faith as Methodists. And of course, another primary part of being a Methodist is to be with us during fellowship time when there's cookies and coffee. But we will give you what we can in this format, which is the sermon. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or perfect preachers. We're just your average pastors helping our congregations think through things, life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you do need to sleep in or if you are away from home or working or coaching your kids' Olympic dog paddle team, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday, so whatever day it is when you're listening to this, snuggle up in your favorite onesie and listen. Receive this with an open mind and open heart. And our ever-present quick note, we don't really care if you agree with everything we say or not. In fact, we encourage you to think for yourself. Uh, We really want people to be engaging with these ideas and not just blindly accepting them because our sincere hope is that by engaging in these ideas you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Chris, so Susan, (laughs) this week I preached 1 Corinthians 1 one through nine, which is like the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. To the Corinthians, who are the people of Corinth. Right. Paul was the preacher dude, traveling preacher dude. Right. And he had set up the church. And he set up the church. And he'd evidently gotten a letter about some problems. Oh, so he's, this is. So, so I, I what I always do. When I'm going to tell dad, this is what this is. I'm well, going to tell dad, dad and then dad responds. Right. Well, I always remind people when we're talking about a letter that we're only, it's like we're playing a game of telephone. We only have half the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yes. Because a lot of what we understand about this letter is inference. Right. We're like, he's talking about this because there must have been this problem or whatever. Right. Um, this would be the, the logical the, response the to. The logical response to. Right. Yeah. So um, the what I preached on was the salutation or the letterhead. It was the letterhead. The letterhead. Yeah. Right. And um, the letterhead so, says, like, this is who it's from. This, this is who it's to. Listen right. up. It has some really cool things. And this is one of those verses that we didn't have to memorize in Sunday school. Probably never read in Sunday school. It's not a story. It's not a story. It doesn't have that catchy. There's no catchy little figures to put on the felt board. No donkeys? No donkeys. <laughs> I know. There are no donkeys. There's still no donkeys There's in still this. still no donkeys. When we get book. to a donkey, we are going to be so excited. I'm going to preach on, uh, on Balaam some... just, 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 just so, so that, that we can have, have a donkey, donkey in the podcast. We can let this go. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9 as the opening of this conversation, just because we need to have the full context, you know, so I don't feel like I'm having to explain it all. Yeah. So so here we go. This is the New Revised Standard Version, and it goes like this. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who 
in every place, call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gifts as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. That's like the TLDR version of the entire letter. Sort of, though. Yeah, sort, sort of. of. I mean, he gets into more details and stuff later. And, right. And later and there's the whole, like, this yeah. is what love actually looks like. And Right. Paul very often care. writes letters that way, right? Like, right. Like, he's probably an English, he would have been an English teacher stream. Here's the Here's thesis, the thesis. <laughs> statement. Here's the thesis statement. But I think what we need to note in how Paul does this in this letter is that Paul does it with a very positive spin. Oh, interesting. Positive reinforcement. Positive dog, reinforcement. Dog training right? style. Dog training style. So <laughs> when I, when I, so where I started when I preached this the other day was to talk about how we are, uh, since we're recording this in the beginning of January, we are in an aspirational planning part of the year. This is the season of aspirational plans. And we talked about this slightly the other day. A little bit. The previous podcast when we talked about Starting new things always has to begin on a Monday. Yeah, it's got to start on a right. Monday. We also have it's that, whatever the trick is that gets us to actually do right. that work. But we have this thing about New Year's resolutions in our culture that says New Year's is when you start new things. January right? one, yeah. Right. You know, let's talk about what some New Year's resolutions would be. Well, like, there's the perennial lose weight, lose weight, join a gym. Join fact, a gym. All my friends who are actual gym rats are like the first two weeks of January the worst. We just don't go. We just, we just wait for people to give up their resolutions right. before right. we go back to right. the gym. Right. The one I keep seeing is how people want to be more organized. Oh, yeah. Well, that's me. Right. They I want mean, to they want to get rid of things. I they just want to... con you into doing it for me. Well, because it's way more fun to organize somebody else's crap. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Let's be real, right? How about um, money? Saving money? Save money. Or save up for a particular thing, thing. Like uh, some of my friends are saving up for engagement rings or vacations or yeah. houses or a car that they want or whatever. Yep. Yep. I think another perennial one is quit smoking. Oh, yes. Or you know, quit something. Yes. Bad habit of some kind. Yeah. Right. Uh, the number of friends who have caffeine headaches in January because they try to give up, up caffeine, cold turkey, Pepsi, Coke, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I uh, actually went and looked at a list of like, what are the top res- New Year's resolutions? Oh, what right? do we miss? What do we miss? And one of them was, I thought this was really interesting because I would never think to put this on the list, is to fall in love. That's a resolution? As a resolution. Because you have control over talk that. about Well, talk about how aspirational that is. I mean, that's super aspirational. Right. As uh, Speaking as somebody who is hashtag still single, like it's not something you have a lot <laughs> of control still, over. still single too. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you don't like, have a lot of control over that. Uh, yeah. But I thought that was, I thought that was really funny. So one of the things I think about New Year's resolutions being is that there's this aspirational plan, right? Like we follow through on these plans. Life will be maybe not perfect, but better. Yeah. Right. We're going to be closer to our ideal. expected ideal reality. And then we kind of use them to, to cast a vision for ourselves. Like, if I was 20 pounds later, this is how my life would look. You know, yeah. that whole thing, right? When I start to read Paul's letter, I hear Paul saying the same kind of thing. You hear Paul saying, lose 20 pounds? No, not lose 20 pounds. <laughs> what I hear Paul saying is, 
is that Paul is doing some aspirational, maybe not planning, but he's like trying to plant. Like, you know, like he's tossing seeds into the church at Corinth and saying, you are saints. Oh, okay. And so he's saying you're already 20 pounds lighter. You're already 20 pounds lighter. But, but he's, he's, now behave that way. Just now behave, behave that that's way. That's true. Right? Right? Yeah. Because he's going to spend the rest of the letter kind of calling them to task for some things Ooh. that they are not doing. Interesting. Or behaviors that they have that are not appropriate. Like he spends a lot of time on spiritual gifts. Right. Because they have been ranking spiritual gifts in the community. We perhaps. assume. We yeah. assume. Right? That there's been some of that natural human instinct to be like, well, well, my spiritual gift is much better, so I, I speak sh- in tongues, so I'm more Jesus-y than you. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> we don't have that problem in the modern church at all. <laughs> anyway, and, and there's some idea that there's some inviting and there's some schisming beginning to happen because people are taking some things too seriously. Relevant. Right? Relevant. Yep. Maybe some immorality is happening. People being people. People being people, Right. So Paul sends this letter and he opens this way. He says, you are called to be saints. You are saints. And you've got all the gifts that you are going to need between now and when Jesus comes in your community. Boy, I just need Paul to say that to me like every day. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be great? you seen a video of the dad and he's got his little girl and she's standing on the bathroom counter and she's looking in the mirror. And he makes her repeat after him. I am smart. I am capable. I yeah. am right. strong. I yeah, am this. Right, right, I'm going right. to conquer this day. I, I have the power to choose. I have the power to do. Yeah. And it's like so affirming mm-hmm. for her. Like as just a little girl, she's maybe three or four or right. five years old and she's on her way to school to have that message of right. who I am Matters. is good. And yeah. Is good. Who I am is good. And I, I can choose yeah. to live into that or not. One of the things I think Paul is saying to them, maybe not explicitly, but I hope they hear it implicitly and I hope we hear it implicitly is it's this whole idea of what happens in the creation story when God creates and it is good. Oh, so very good. Oh, so so very very good. good, Right. So Paul is saying you are saints. You are already beloved children of God, but you know, you could be better. (laughs) God already loves you. And there's some room and there's some room, right? (laughs) Paul aspirationally greets them and says, hello, saints. Then, you know, here he is. He's having to write this letter. They're creating work for him. And he says, hello, saints. And this is why I'm thankful for you. Even as he's about to think about, he's trying to work on what all these other things are going to be. I imagine what Sothenes, the friend who's also on this letter, right? Sothi. Sothi. That's what we're going to call him, Sothi. I'm going to call her Sothi. Her Sothi. I mean, Sothenes is probably a guy's name. But I'm going to call her Sophie, because okay. I think it sounds like Sophie, but with a cute lisp. Oh, there you go. Sophie. You, that could be the next hipster name. I think it's the next hipster name, Sosthenes. Right. I know. If you're looking for a good biblical name. Or you can tattoo it right next to Tim Shell on your leg. There you go. That was an aside. Anyway, you know, I think about, like, how crazy this looks to Sophie. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophie is probably writing this letter down, right? Paul's t- rattling it off, and Sophie's like, are we talking to the same people? Yeah. <laughs> These guys are jerks. jerks. The image I have is, why are we not just writing in all caps? Why are you placating them? Right. Yes. Like, what is this, right? And yet, you realize that Paul is doing something amazing because Paul is saying, this is what grace is. Mm. Here's some grace. This is how God lives into this grace thing. God loves you as you are right now, and you are saints, but there could be so much more. And God sees that and loves that just as much. 
and desires that and loves us into that possibility. What do you think about when people say God loves you just the way you are and loves you too much to leave you there? I agree. I agree. Because I think the whole nature of our human existence is when we're done growing, we're done. And I, I know people who, who have given up at crazily young ages with like experiencing anything new, learning anything, any of that. They've just, this is who I am and I'm done. It's so cynical. It's, it's totally. And as a cynical person, <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that in me, but I also kind of think, wow, okay, so we've lost hope. If we go there, we have lost hope that anything can be different than the way it is. Right. And that's just not true of life. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. The whole experience has changed. You just get to yeah. guide that in a good direction or not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, and you can you can be a part of the change. Or you or can you resist. Can, or you can resist. And there's whole movies about that. But Yeah. <laughs> but there's whole civil rights movements about that. that right? <laughs> yeah. And one of the ways I think about this is what Paul is saying to the people of Corinth and I think to us is that Paul wants us to be formed not by who we are now but by who God is calling us to be. Mm. So I think there's a lot of tension we're talking about, like that resistance. Is it we're comfortable or familiar? Maybe not comfortable in our skin, but familiar with it. Yeah. That's a... The devil you know. The devil you know, right? Right. And so we're going to let that be the thing that determines who we become versus letting God's grace in to do what God's grace does, which is always miraculous and always different than we can imagine. And I think it's important for us to remember, God asks us to change a lot. Mm-hmm. God will transform our whole lives. But who we are, essentially, remains the same. Right, right. Um, our identity, uh, even in cross-cultural work, you learn that you give up parts of your identity when you take on different cross-cultural um, experiences, and- experiences and all that stuff. And, and that's okay. But that the essential me is still me. Right. And, um, and, and, then, and that's where So that's if somebody where tells you that you need from, to right? change the essential you... That's not what we're talking, talking about. about. No, that's not what we're, we're, you, we're talking about is the, I don't want to use, I don't want to use like improvement. The new but, improved. No, but what no. I want to say is the fulfillment of. Yes. Where the fullness of. The fullness is, of. Is, 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 a, is a more theological into your way whole to... self and not just the parts of you that everybody else is okay with. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, somebody was like, well, people use humor as a defense mechanism. And my first thought was, no, I also use it to endlessly seek affirmation from strangers thank you very much but it's just a part of who i am i'm gonna crack a joke because i love to crack jokes i just love finding humor in things and when somebody said well that's your way of getting away from god i remember thinking like oh i have to i have to be serious i have to be serious all the time yeah and i spent years trying Trying to to give that part of myself up until i realized god likes joy God's Amazingly okay with that. enough. So like the part of me that God was calling me to change wasn't the essential part of who I am. It was how I applied it. Yeah. Right? Right. So am I using this to bring joy or am I bringing this to like... Or am I using it to cut people down? And, you know, we could argue for a while about whether or not that ever needs to happen. Uh, sometimes I think that there's a role for the jester, right? right? There's a role for the prophet to point out that the emperor's not wearing any clothes. But that doesn't mean that we cut people. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think about one of the ways I see it in the church is that sometimes we value the people who are cheerleaders in like the very traditional sense of like, yay, let's do this thing. Woo-hoo! And we discount the quiet saint who does the work. And, and doesn't feel the need to point out that they're doing the work. Doesn't, it's not even a feel the need. It's like it would never have occurred. But what they do is they do work that 
when you look back on their lives, you go, that person influenced me greatly. Yeah. Without me even knowing it. You know, I think of all the lovely, lovely, strong women I knew in the church as a child. Yeah. Who just said, you don't take crap. But they never said it. (laughs) Yeah. They just did their work. They just modeled it. They just modeled it. The women, you know, the women I meet as a pastor, like, it's always fascinating to meet the woman who was the first woman chair of trustees. Oh, yeah. Because they're most often, they are the most interesting people. Really? Because they broke a barrier in their time, right? Yeah, that's the dude committee. That's the facilities right, that's person. The facilities that's person. the person who does and, right, fix it stuff. And they've often done it in such a way that everybody respects them. I've yet to be in a church that does not remember the first woman who filled that position. Interesting. Because I've they never were, asked that question. Because they've also been such powerful leaders, but in not a, necessarily in that cheerleader sense. Because yeah. they're usually the folks that they go... This is how we get this done. I need you or, to help hey me. hey guys, the roof is broken. Let's fix it. Right. You know? So I think about putting values on things, even now, that we shouldn't. We are ranking. That we are ranking. And it's not to deny the work of others, but it's just to think about that. So I think what one of the things I, I really like about this passage is that Paul just basically says, Hey, church at Corinth, you have been called. Hey, church at Corinth, you're saints. Mm-hmm. You have been called and enriched and itched in speech and in knowledge, and you're called to something. I see it in you. What are you going to do about it? Right. And he says, Hey, saints, you've been called. How are you going to reveal Jesus today, tomorrow, and until Christ comes again? Right. You're a saint. What are you going to do about it? Right. It's dog training. It's dog training, right? And he says, Hey, church in Corinth, you have been given all the gifts. What are you going to keep doing with them? Keep fighting? Or are you going to recognize the gifts around you and get on with the with with the task before us, the call before us? The wonderful thing is, I don't think Paul was just writing to the church in Corinth, right? Right. So he's writing to to my church. Yeah. You know, I actually said that to him. I said, "Hey, Saint Paul's, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? How are you going to live into being saints?" And then I also think it also calls to us as individuals that you know you've been enriched in speech and knowledge. You've been called to something, and it may not be glamorous and to be the perfect thing. But that's, but that's who you are. And let's live into it. And are you recognizing your gifts? And I think that that's one of those things that moves us from being who we are into who God calls us to be. So today we're recording on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, yes. And this, there's a real natural connection here for me. Oh, yeah. Of this prophet who called us to be all that we could be and not to get stuck in where we were comfortable. Right. And there was a quote, and I'll tell you who did the quote in just a second, because I've got to look it up. Okay. But the quote about Martin Luther King of Georgia, the the icon that has mm-hmm. sort of become. Uh, become recently, where he's holding his, his number for jail and letter from Birmingham jail. But this is the, the quote that this author had to say about it. He said, King left us four things. The courage to confront evil square on mm-hmm. without the hope of being able to ignore it. Mm. The courage to confront ourselves square on without the luxury of despair, Mm -hmm. which is to me this whole, your saints get on with it. Not you're such bad people. You should really be worried about about that. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, The courage to love when hate is more satisfying and the courage to continue to live until death so that others may have life. Life. Yeah. That those were the, the four parts of his legacy that have remained with us. But we so often get caught in the self-criticism part. Mm-hmm. The yeah. I'm going to do a New Year's resolution because I hate this thing about myself. Right. Rather than 
I am a saint. I don't have the luxury of the time to criticize myself or other people. And so therefore, I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose risk. I'm going to choose courage. I'm going to choose to work for this thing that I know is important that God has called me to, even if it's not um, not easy. Right. And not glamorous. And not glamorous. And not necessarily speaking in tongues or whatever yeah. we think whatever we think the important gifts are in church, but that there are other things that we are called to do. Yeah. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. So, so what you're really talking about is sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace. Yeah. The stuff that keeps us going from here to where we end up. From the choice that we make to, to well, the choices follow. that we make all the time to, right. to live into who Jesus has called us to be. Right. The sanctifying grace is the grace that helps us continue do, do, to, do to do the that. work. To do that work and to listen and to forgive and to find yep. a way and to yeah. do all of that work. You know, as Wesley says, the, the perfecting thing, right? Yes. Right. Not that we would be perfect, but that we would be perfect in the mind of Christ, as the scripture says. That we would be of one mind, that there would be less of us and more of God, and that, that those two things would coexist in ways that bring fullness both for ourselves and for the world and for the kingdom of God. Yay. Yay. So before I forget, the author of that quote was Joan Chittister. Oh, Chittister. yes. Chittister. Chittister. Yes. She's Joan amazing. Chittister wrote it from Robert Lentz's work on icons titled A Passion for Life. So thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been talking about today, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or SoundCloud or iTunes or Google Play or anywhere you find your podcasts. The scripture for the podcast was 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9 from the NRSV. And the theme music you're hearing right now is Taking Higher by Jazzer. So it's traditional at the end of a worship service that there is a benediction or a blessing ascending forth. And mine is simple. Mine says, go be saints. Go be saints. No pressure. No pressure. But go be the saint you are now and go be the saint that God is calling you to be. Because that is who we are called to be in discipleship and that is who we are called to be in the world. So go be a saint. Amen. Amen.